Good morning, good morning. Everybody doing okay? Yes, very good. Well, we are so glad you are here on this holiday weekend, taking some time out of your day uh, to worship God, con- to connect in community. Um, so, my name is Daniel Kaznave, I'm the pastor here at the Bridge Church, and what an honor and a privilege it is to be here with you. I just love hearing you sing. It is just so good. Um, each and every week we come together and just to hear your voices uh, right behind me. I love that. I know that I say that periodically, but it is pretty incredible to see. Uh, well, this weekend is July 4th weekend. We celebrate um, the, our country, right? And uh, even though we are far from perfect, and we know that God has given us uh, this freedom to be here today uh, to worship our Savior in freedom. And I think that's something to be thankful for uh, for you and I, because you and I both know spiritually uh, and in our country, freedom does not come free. It is earned and for our lives as uh, we walk here in this country, but also uh, for our lives as our relationship with Christ, our relationship with God. It was earned off of Jesus Christ and he died for us on the cross. And so uh, we come with thankful hearts. We come with gratitude uh, and we believe that God can do some incredible things, not only now, but also in the future, especially as you and I as Christians lean into what he has for us. And so I want to pray for us, ask God just to speak to our hearts here uh, this morning and then uh, we are in a series. It's called Timeless. That's right. It is the last week of our series. And uh, we have been picking out these hidden figures in the Old Testament and really diving in and seeing how can we learn from these Old Testament figures uh, that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't. Uh, we've talked about people like Shipfra and Shipfra and Pua, right? We've talked about um, all kinds of different figures. And so today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 25. So 1 Samuel chapter 25. And we're talking about a young lady named Abigail, Abigail, and um, it's a pretty uh, riveting story, so I hope that you lean in here, but I just want to pray for us, ask God to speak to our hearts, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you, we praise you, we are so thankful for your word, we are so thankful for your truth. God, thank you that you are still moving here today in 2022, and I just pray that you just take uh, a few moments, God, as we maybe are carrying a lot, and, and life is busy, and life is crazy, and I pray just over the next few moments, We can stop and we can just breathe for a second. We can just soak in your word, soak in your wisdom, soak in your direction. God, I pray that you will just speak to our hearts. I pray that you do what only you can do, and that is change lives and change hearts. God, I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. And we ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Well, I was thinking about the message today, and I was thinking about life. And have you noticed there's usually, uh, in many different scenarios of our lives, there's usually uh, two different pulls, uh, so to speak. So just a, a small, kind of quick, easy example. Uh, there's these two pulls, right? This uh, to eat healthy, and then there's a pull to what? Not eat healthy, right? It's like take the easy route or oh, I got to make these fresh vegetables and I got to hunt them down. I got to spend extra money, right? Like it's not easy, right? But there's usually two different pools. Or if you think about uh, maybe at work, there's two different pools. There's a, hey, I can get this done early and I can knock it down and just kind of have some time to relax. Or I can wait till the last like hour before it's due, right? And I procrastinate. But there's usually two pools like, ah, I got time or yeah, I'm going to knock it out right now, right? Whatever it may be. It could be maybe around the house, right? Like, oh, I really need to clean this up. Those dishes are piling up in the sink, right? Like I just can knock those out or 
I can just watch this Netflix series. You know, I can just binge this, right? Like whatever. There's two different pools that we feel uh, in our lives, and, and that happens a lot, right? Uh, but if we look at it, that only not only happens in life, but I think it also happens spiritually. There's these these two pools inside of us that are trying to pull us in different directions, and honestly, it's a battle that we face probably every single day. And if it and if we don't even realize it, it's still happening. Like it can still pull us in one direction or the other. And the story that we're talking about today, I believe uh, we're talking, this is thousands of years ago, but it is so relevant. It's mind-blowing how relevant it is for us today in 2022 because we see this pull inside of men and women in our lives every single day. And you're going to see this here in the story of Abigail. But in order for us to really understand what's going on, we have to set it up a little bit, okay? We have to understand what the setting of Abigail is. And uh, during this time, we see King David, which we've actually talked about him a lot because he's uh, a major portion of the Old Testament. And so David has been anointed king, uh, but he is not king yet. In fact, the, the first king of Israel, Saul, is still king. And he becomes bitter because David is rising up in the ranks and he's getting ready to be king. And so Saul is bitter that God is anointing David. And so David has to actually go out on the run because Saul is trying to literally kill David. So David is out in the woods. He's on the run. He's living in caves, all of these different areas because he's running for his life. But he has these men who are following him. He's created this following uh, because David is, um, you know, in the human standards, he definitely makes mistakes. But God has anointed him as a leader and as a warrior. So he's created this following. And so he has a following of a few hundred men and they're living in the woods. And so they're trying to survive. And of course, they have specific, uh, let's, what do you want to call it? Uh, they have specific uh, skill set, right? I mean, they're warriors. They're, they're soldiers living out in the woods. And so one of their skill sets is to fight. Right? I mean, they're soldiers, they're warriors, and, and to also to protect. And so they come across this, uh, this family group. They come across this man's land, and his name is Nabal. So depending on where you live in the country, you may say Nabal or Nabal. But Nabal, as we see that here, uh, his land, he's a very wealthy man. He has all of these cattle, all of these sheep, all of these shepherds, and just this vast amounts of land. And so David comes up to this man, and it's around a celebration time. They call it sheep shearing time. And so he's getting ready to do uh, all of this and he's going to have a celebration, a big meal. And so David and his mighty men uh, begin to protect the shepherds and protect his flock. And so they do this for many days and many nights. And David, he's, he's doing this strategically because if he can do this, now he can go to Nabal and he can say, hey, uh, because I protected your crops, because I protected your people, uh, can you take care of us for a little while? We need food. We need shelter. We need water. Can you help us out as well? And so this is what David is hoping. But the Bible describes uh, Nabal as a man who is surly and mean. His heart, he, he has gotten taken over by all of this power. He's created this little kingdom for himself. Uh, he loves to control. He loves to be on top and he loves his power, right? And so David goes to him and he sends some messengers over to Nabal and he says, hey, uh, we have been taking care of your sheep. We've been taking care of your crops, all of these things. And in fact, the, one of the reasons you've been so successful 
It's because of us, like because we have been guarding you. We have been there for you. And so David sends these 10 messengers and the response that they get from Nabal is, who is David? Like, who is this man, this runaway servant that he would come to me? Like, I need him, right? Have you noticed that if somebody is truly hungry for just power, all of a sudden it's all about them, right? Like, it's, it's this is mine. I need to control it. I can't let anybody else in. And it becomes super, like, hyper-protective of this moment, right? Or this feature or whatever it is. And so uh, he comes at Nabal, and Nabal is saying, hey, no, no, I, I don't even know who you are. I can't help you out. And this is where we get, because the story happens here, where you have these two men with certain sets of skills, right? Soldiers, they can fight, they're ready to go, um, they're ready to make some things happen. So these messengers, they go back with this message to David. And here's David's response. I love it, because it, it kind of reminds me of my kids, uh, but these are, these are grown men and soldiers. And so they go back to David, and David goes, you know what? Where's my swords? Everybody, strap your swords on. He's not going to talk to us like that. We're going to wipe out his entire army. We're going to wipe out his entire nation. And David actually takes a vow. He said, if there is one man still alive when we get done with him, that right, like, God be my judge. Like, David is angry. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, he can't talk to me like that. Does he know who is David, right? Like, I am David. You don't know who I am. I'm a warrior. I slayed Goliath, right? And we see this pool where these two men are angry. They're trying to protect. I mean, they got this ego thing happening here, right? And then this is where we pick up in the story. Because Abigail, this uh, lady who the Bible describes her as intelligent and beautiful. And she hears that this is about to happen. And she, all of a sudden, I got to take action. I need to do something, right? I have to go. And so she gets all of this food together, this wine, this, all of this. And she fills up the donkeys and she heads out to meet David because he is on a war path. He is coming down into the valley. This is where they live. And uh, David's men are kind of snaking down. Their swords are strapped. They are ready to fight and take all of this out, right? And here comes Abigail. And this is where we pick up here in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Everybody okay? Very good. I'm going to read a good bit of scripture here. So is that okay with everybody? Very good. So verse uh, 23, it says, When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David, her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention to my Lord. She's talking about her husband, Nabal. To that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool. And folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all your intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord given to the men who follow you. She's talking about all the food, all the wine, all of that that she brought before them as a gift. It says, please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord. Because you fight the Lord's battles. And no wrongdoing will, will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life. The life the Lord your 
your God, but lives of your enemy, the lives of your enemies. He hurled away as from a pocket of a sling. I love this section right here. I'm going to stop for just a second um, because I kind of messed it up when I read it here. But she, she references something here. And this is Abigail. This is the beauty of her speech, right? Like her posture when she comes, she hops off her donkey. She lays at David's feet and she says, hey, your servant is here, right? You got these two men, right? Their egos are through the roof. You cannot talk to me like that. And she climbs off this donkey, almost no ego, lays at his feet. And she talks to him like your servant. And then she does something. It's almost like reverse psychology, right? She's like, I know you're going to win these battles. And I don't want your men to be lost in this battle as well. And then she even uh, begins to talk to David. And I love this because she says, hey, you are going to flow through my nation just like the, the sling in the pocket, right? So she refers back to David and go, David, you remember you slayed Goliath. You slayed the giant with the sling. How incredible is that that she's even speaking to his past? And I love this because I, I think about my own kids. I have three boys and then a little girl. And um, I, I'm not suggesting this as a parent style. But I can kind of change their behavior, especially the boys, by messing with their ego, right? Like I can be like, right? Like, don't judge me, okay? But just for a second, right here, right? Like, like, but you can you can tell them, hey, will you help me take the trash out? They're like, oh, you know, Dad, I'm just I'm playing this, I'm doing this. I'm like, I bet you can't do it in five seconds, right? Right? It's like, ooh, 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 watch me, Tommy, 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 right? Like all of a sudden, they're ready to do it, right? Because their ego, they're ready to go. But the funny thing is, through all of that, right? Or I could be like, ooh, this, my wife does this to me, and I'm older, and it still works. But anyway, she's like, oh, you're so strong. Can you open this jar up? I'm like, yeah, I probably can, right? Like, I already know it's going to happen, but she's still doing it, right? Right? But I'm like, yeah. So I can do that with the boys, too. But this is the funny thing. My daughter, uh, my daughter, she is five, and the ego doesn't drive her. And it's a, a big realization for me. And, and I love the difference between the two and, uh, because I can tell her, and she'll be like, ah, uh, no, nah, I'm okay, Dad. No, nah, that's, uh, you know, nah, that's okay I, and she'll go or like to clean her room right like I, I could let's say the boys hey I call time you hey this this is gonna I bet you can't do it faster than last time and they're in there flying cleaning up toys but I tell Stella she's like ah let me just go see if Lucas will help me, right? Like, 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 all, like all these things, a completely different mindset. And I just love that though because we see Abigail here in this moment she's taking a completely different stance right like ego she has taken the ego and kind of set it to the side because if we're not careful ego can get in the way of a lot of different things in our lives and begin to pull us down a path I believe that we never really intended to go and so uh, the story continues here and uh, verse 32, David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to me, sent to, blah, blah, sorry, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed in your good judgment for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, no one male belonging to Nabal uh, would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accept, accepted from her hand what she had brought him. And he said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your requests. What a beautiful picture. 
Because Abigail steps in, takes a completely different approach and almost diffuses the situation. And I think this is vital for you and I because there is this inward battle, this inward struggle that happens to every human being on this planet. And it's this battle between what I would call at the surface level good and evil. But on the, as we dig deeper into that, we see that there are two different uh, things that begin to drive us. And one is pride. And pride, if you even read in the Bible, pride is even described as the root of all evil. Or pride is the root of every sin. And pride is something that begins to elevate and blow up our ego, right? Because pride feeds ourselves. Pride makes us look at ourselves and going, no, he can't talk to me like that. They can't talk to me like that. This, they don't know who I am, right? And all of a sudden, pride begins to take over and there's this pool of pride. But then there's another opposite. Is there an antidote to that? What does that look like? And sounds like they got some stuff going on up there. Maybe it's a tour. They can bring them into church, tour them in right here. How you doing? Anyway, uh, so sorry if that's distracting. That's the, be- the beauty of portable church right here. Um, everybody still good? But I love this. And as we think about this, because if we read in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And we see that pride can pull us in that direction because pride makes us look at ourselves. and makes us drive what that can look like. And so I love this as we begin to think about it. Because if pride is pulling us one way then there has to be another way, right? Because there's this two different uh, dichotomy, if you will, of good versus evil. And so we see this other picture. And John Stott says this. I love this quote. He says, At every stage of our Christian development, in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility is our greatest friend. So we see pride pulls us in one direction and humility pulls us into another. And we always have this battle inside of ourselves, inside of our minds, inside of our hearts of going, do I take hold of pride as it's rearing up in me? Because pride, honestly, in the moment can even feel right, right? It can feel justified. It can feel like David, he's going on this rampage like, I am going to make this right. I am going to make this happen, right? And pride begins to take over. But then we see another route. We see humility. And God is going, I'm taking pride or you can choose humility. And we see this picture. And I love that quote because pride can be our greatest enemy and humility can be our greatest friend. And if we read scripture, even in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, we see that God says, I'm looking to and fro for somebody with humility. I'm looking for the condition of their heart. And I don't have to kind of sell you on how Jesus lived his life. In fact, we even see in the New Testament where these uh, the two disciples, James and John, they begin to argue, right? And what is their question? They've been following Jesus for three years. They've been watching Jesus, all of this. And you know what the question that they want to know? Hey, Jesus, who's the greatest? Like, who, who is the best disciple, right? Like, who is the top dog, right? Like, that is a pride question, right? Like, who is number one? I need to know, right? Like, and so they do this. And then Jesus, he says, you know, in fact, if you want to talk about being great, I love Jesus and being a teacher, right? Because he, de- he doesn't say, don't worry about being great. No, he says, oh, you want to be great because I put this in you. But the route in order to be great is through humility, is through serving. And so as we look at this route, I think for you and I, because if, we, if you're taking notes, I'd love you to take jot a couple of these down. And the first one is, is that pride aims for status 
and humility aims for service. Because sometimes it can be hard, right? Especially in high emotional times. Uh, What route do I take? What should I aim at? And pride will aim at status. How can I get further? How can I be more known? How can people know me better? How can I build my empire, right? And that's the, the pride route. But humility says, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I walk alongside of you? Because status is, let me step on you to get to the next level. And humility is, how can I walk beside you so that we can accomplish this, right? And if we think about this, especially even at work, think about it at work. You know somebody who is trying to step on somebody else to get to the next level, right? Somebody who is trying to use everybody around them to elevate themselves. And my question to you is, is who do you want to work for? Who do you want to work beside? Who, who do you want your spouse to be? Right? Someone who aims for status of who is the best or somebody who aims for service. It says, how can I serve you? How can I walk with you? How? And imagine the workplace if everybody walked in and said, you know what? I'm aiming for service today. How can I help you do your job the best way? you can? I'm going to do my job, but I'm also going to have this team mindset of bringing you along with me. And, and we can do this thing together because we say this here in our church. We are here. We are in this together, right? Like God's called us to live into community, but we're always going to have that pool of pride. Or humility. And for you and I to really have a scope of going, if I feel that pull, feel that tug for I need to gain more status, then I know the, the antidote for that is how do I aim for service? How do I aim more towards humility and what God wants for us? And then we also see that um, one of the big issues that we see, especially between David and this man, what were they concerned with? They were concerned with winning, right? Like pride wants to win, but humility faults to resolve the issue, right? Like pride is going, I, I just want to win. I need to be right, right? You have David and Nabal going, you know what? I need to be right here in this moment. I need to make this happen. Like I, and, and in fact, I'm going to show you. And if you're not going to listen, I'm going to make you listen, right? But humility says, Abigail walks up and she lays at David's feet. And she says, I'm not only thinking about myself, but I'm thinking about all my countrymen. Who are going to die. Because you two. Are, are, are at this. At each other. Trying to prove something. Right. Trying to be right. And she's going. I'm not. I don't even care who's right. Can we come to, to resolving this here. Right. Can we come to what is right. And we see this beautiful picture of humility. Because humility says. I'm going to remove myself. From the equation. So that we can see good come about. What a beautiful picture of Abigail just changes the game. And sometimes we think that that the best way I'm going to say this. And so don't don't be mad at me, but uh, especially with men, right? Like like we think, oh, you're not going to listen. I'm going to make you listen. And all of a sudden this pride just begins to build on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other. And I need to be a stronger man if I just make this happen. And sometimes the world will tell us you've got to make your own way, right? If there is no way, make your own way. If you're not going to listen, then make them listen. If you're not going to do this, then gain more power. Then work harder. Then say all of these things, right? And it begins to escalate. But humility says, how can I set aside my ego? You know, in Philippians chapter 2, I say this, I say this is my favorite a lot. But this really may be my favorite verse in the Bible. And it describes Jesus as a man 
of no reputation. That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? He deserves all glory, but yet he deprived himself of that so that God can get all the glory. And you and I as Christians following Jesus, God deserves every ounce of glory. And if we can remove ourselves from it and saying, this is what God says. This is his moment. This is his time in our earth. And if we walk in humility, now the direction and the worship and the praise goes to God and what he is doing in us and through us. And the last one here that I love this is because uh, uh, Abigail is coming and she's trying to bring this resolution, right? And we see that that pride divides, but unity comes through humility. It's when you and I can come together and walk in humility and say, I'm willing to cross the line. I'm willing to talk this through. I'm willing to really understand what this looks like. But it takes a moment of you and I going, I got to set myself to the side. Because if I think about this, and you've heard me say this over and over again, um, if we're holding on to pride, if we're holding on to especially I need to be right, if we're holding on to this, uh, this moment, right, especially if somebody does something to us that offends us, right? Because think about it, David was offended. And even in the Old Testament, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? That was kind of even the, the MO and the, the law. Like, oh, he betrayed me. I'm going to, the, their behavior, I'm going to match their behavior, right? But then Jesus comes and he says, I'm going to give you a new covenant, a new t- testament, right? And in fact, he's saying, I want you to walk in humility. I want you to serve so that you can be out of the way and people will be pointed to Jesus, right? People will be pointed to what God is doing here. But it's hard when somebody offends us right it's hard when somebody says something and you and I are I'm telling you my my first almost reaction is wanting to go back and to match match right but Jesus says hey I want you to give that to me and in fact if we read first Peter it says even our enemies he said I want you to bless those who persecute you right like this moment this picture he flips it all upside down and he says I want to give you I still want you to be great but in fact, there's a, there's a route, there's an avenue, there's a method in order to reach this greatness that you're feeling inside of yourself. And for me, every time as I preach, the, the moment for me is to make a beeline for the cross. The quickest as I can get to Jesus, because Jesus is all over the Old Testament and the New. He is our guiding force. And for us as Christians, right, the word means to be Christ-like or little Christians, right? We want to be as much like Christ as we can. And for you and I, to, in order, the, the, one of the big antidotes for you and I of choosing humility over pride is to keep our eyes on the cross because Jesus himself right like he left heaven a perfect place did you know there are beings in heaven that these just huge beings wings multiple legs multiple eyes and their whole job for eternity is to fly around the throne going holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty right like an amazing truth and he's sitting on the throne but Jesus left heaven and came to this earth And became a man of no reputation. He humbled himself to the point of obedience. And he died on the cross for you and I. It says why, the Bible says in Romans, while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. 
And every time I go back to the cross, I think, wow, Jesus, you did that for me to set me free, right? To forgive me of my sins and you and I. But have you noticed when somebody offends us, like we, I'm, I'm such a good argumenter. That is not even the right word. But I argue so well in my brain, right? In my mind. Like I win every argument, right? But have you noticed the control that somebody has over you when they've upset you, right? Like when they, when they say, like you're in your mind, all of a sudden now your behavior changed. Now we're angry and I'm arguing this over and I'm playing it over in my mind and now all of a sudden that person is controlling me and Jesus is going I want to set you free from that so you don't have to carry the weight right you can give that worship back to me follow me in my ways and Jesus is saying if we walk in humility we begin to see God do something when we keep our eyes on the cross and I want to get ready to close and I was reminded of this story and I love this story of Jesus because Jesus has his disciples. These are his closest uh, people that followed him for three and a half so years, three years that Jesus was following. And on the last night before Jesus goes to the cross, he brings his disciples together. They're eating a meal together. And at that moment, I'm thinking about it, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, if it was me, I'd probably create, like, write this amazing speech, right? Like, I would remind them who I am, like, I am the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am the alpha and the omega. I will take care of you. I will uh, sustain you as you go out into this world. Like, I would give this huge rally Christ speech, right? And he would be worthy of it, right? Like, he would be. He is the king. All of that is true. 100% true. But Jesus gets up from the table. He takes the towel off of his waist. And he kneels. And his human knees touch the dusty ground. And here are his disciples. And he begins to wash their feet. One of the lowest positions when, and during that culture. If anybody came over, it was one of the lowest positions. They would, they would have a slave or a servant come in to do this. And in that moment, instead of this grandeur speech, instead of this rally cry, Jesus says, I want you to understand why I came. To show you a new way of life. To set you free to the point where you can walk in hope and freedom and know that you, everybody that comes across your path, we can walk in humility and service and they don't have to stroke or poke our ego to make us change and all of a sudden lose control. But I lay at his, and he sat there at their feet and I love Peter because I can relate to Peter because Peter starts to see him on the ground. He's washing their feet, right? Like he, he they, Peter sees this and Peter's like, no, you're not washing my feet, Jesus. No, this is not, no, you need to get up. I need the speech. I need the rally cry. Like, let's go. It's the same Peter who would later cut off a man's ear because he's ready to fight. Like, they're coming to arrest Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, this is why I have come. To die. To set you free. For eternity. I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about for eternity. He's like, my eyes are on eternity. Right? And Jesus comes and he sits and he's willing to serve. And wash his disciples' feet. And I can imagine... Because Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, he rose again. Triumphantly, right? Like we see, he conquered death, conquered sin. 
But I think about his disciples as they go and they preach the gospel. And as they enter in home after home and city after city, they picture Jesus down on the ground. His face almost touching the ground, washing the disciples' feet. And that was their rally cry. That was their hope. It was the cross. They were set free to the point they could walk into any city and going, oh, you're cussing me up and down. Okay, let's go. Oh, you're saying this about me. Okay, let's go. How, how can I serve? How can I wash your feet? How can I walk humbly? And it turned, I'm telling you, it turned the world upside down because the world says, you, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And all of a sudden, this group called The Way is entering into the city and they're walking in humility. It's like you can't shake them. They just keep serving us. They keep showing up. In the darkest moments, in the darkest cities, they just keep showing up. It's like they have something supernatural living in them and working through them. It's like they have a vision of a new world that is not of this world, right? And it's like they have a way of living that I just can't explain. And I believe God wants to do the same thing in you and through you every single day. Imagine if we went home today. Imagine where our world would be. Imagine where our country would be. If we want and we said, you know what? My aim is service. And not status. I'm going to try to get as close to Jesus as I can. And walk in his ways. And to walk in his truth. Because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Right? It's about his ways and his truth. And how can I give him as much glory as I can? But it starts with looking to the cross. And so as I pray today and just ask God to speak to our hearts, uh, my prayer, my encouragement to you is, is, is that you have a Savior that has set you free. Or maybe you've never given your life to Christ. You have, there is a man, his name is Jesus, and he died on the cross to set you free. You don't have to carry the weight of this world that says, I need to be approved. I need to gain higher status. I need more of this world so that I can feel better about myself. Jesus is going, no, I can set you free from all of that. So all you have to do is focus on serving, focus on loving, focus on getting as close to me as you can so that the world can see that there is hope. There is love. There is joy. There's peace. Right? Gentleness. Self-control. Right? Because we're called to live set apart. And I believe that God can do that in each and every one of us. So I just want to pray for us here today. And maybe there's something in your heart. You're going, you know what, Daniel? Yeah, I've been actually, I've been carrying the weight of what that person said to me for far too long. And I want to lay it at your feet, Jesus. I've been carrying the weight of, uh, honestly, this world. And I'm trying to make it on my own. And, and I'm just trying to make all of these things happen. And I just need to surrender it to God. I need to trust God here in this moment. And so let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. God, I know that you are calling us to something that is not easy. God, and honestly, this is not the natural inclination in us. I pray that you do a supernatural work in us. God, I pray that you help us to not pursue those inklings of pride. God, but move towards humility. 
Jesus, when you came to this earth, we are so thankful and blessed that you didn't meet me as an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. No, God. You died on the cross while I was still sinful. While I was running for you. God, and I thank you for saving us and helping us to see this picture of this new kingdom that you're trying to establish. And I pray that we would be beacons of light. I pray that we would be a city on a hill. God, that we would cling and hold on to your word, hold on to your truth, God. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Give us direction, God. We love you and ask all this. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.